All right, guys, welcome back to the Roarcast season three. You guys aren't going to give me the threes? I'm like, I don't know. Welcome back. You can um, actually see our threes now because, right. you know, because we're on video this now. This season, season That's three, right. uh, we've been rehired not only for a season three, but we've been rehired to be on video because everyone right. wants to know what we look like. <laughs> I know it's been a, like a spoiler, I mean, a teaser for the past two seasons, but I'm joined with Kyle Matrician and Mike Kowalski, and we're bringing video to your lives, guys. 2021, we're here, we're back and better, and we're excited for this season. That's right. If you're listening right now, um, we have our live version, of course, right now on Twitch, but the audio version will still be on all of our channels on uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and I think Stitcher as well. I don't want to leave that out, Mike, because yeah, I know it's important that, yeah. Um, and this year, guys, I don't know if Megan Rojas even knows this yet, but maybe I'll say it officially for the first time. We are the Roarcast presented by Jag One. Whoa! So, <laughs> presenting sponsor throw it, up, it, throw it up on the screen throw it up on the screen right <laughs> throw it up on the screen uh i forget their slogan i'll know it by i'll know it by the end of the season by heart i should know the jag one slogan by now they've sponsored us, us and enough things and we're uh, still on a little bit of a holiday hangover you have to forgive us a little yeah. bit like you do not a literal hangover like a holiday hangover just so yeah. everybody's aware. Aware. we are presented by jag one and <laughs> it is it is uh not because I get injured all the time, although maybe I'll use Jag One. Maybe not. I'll use it's not not. Maybe they listened. Maybe they listened to our other episodes and they were like, "Oh, yeah, this fits perfectly." When the inevitable happens, you know where you can go now. I know where I can go now. Jag One. I don't know the slogan, but I will by the end of the season. New slogan. <laughs> Next time Kyle Matrician gets hurt, he knows where he's going. I do. Jag One. I will actually, maybe, uh, if there are any uh, reads, uh, audio reads for Jag One, I'll be sure to read them. So, yeah. like, you know, when they do the, uh, you know, when uh, you're listening to the radio and they do oh, yeah. the uh, kind of like live reads for the commercial spots and they're like, oh, I know if from you personal use... experience. Yeah. Yeah. If you. <laughs> If you don't use Jag One Physical Therapy, you know, I, I, I got injured. And when I got injured, the folks at Jag One helped me out with my sprained ankle and my broken wrist. <laughs> so the next time you're on a golf course and you fall down on the cart path and sprain your ankle and break your wrist on the fall, be sure to use Jag One Physical Therapy. There you go. Great product <laughs> placement. Great. This advertisement was based on actual events. <laughs> Do not try this at home. Yeah. Don't submit any videos. <laughs> Speaking of physical fitness, right? Because that kind of ties into physical therapy. Uh, I am hashtag Team Skinny 21 this year. I am starting wow. to work out and I'm going to lose. I am going to lose. I am going to lose this uh, tire around my waist. Uh, okay. so, uh, what Kim and what my wife and I bought, uh, from target is, I don't know if anybody's Target's this, not a sponsor. Stop it. Sorry. <laughs> what we bought from a store that you could buy yeah. at most other stores, um, is it's actually a game for the switch. It's called ring fit. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Yeah, you I've put this. Okay. Yeah. You put the yeah. switch joy cons it like one into this ring. That's got like, it's resistant. It's like a resistant ring. And then you put another one in a strap that you put around your leg and it's like 
tricks you sort of into working out because it's like an adventure game where you're like getting your person to run and you're like squeezing the ring to try and like like shoot things uh, not like with air not real violence this is here. a very you way of getting in shape Colin. oh it is <laughs> it just is this it is perfect for me <laughs> this is absolutely perfect i, I will the next uh twitch stream that you see on this channel i'll be ring fitting that might actually chase people away <laughs> We'll team have a ring skinny. fit stream. Ring fit team, team skinny. Ring hashtag fit. team skinny twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> Make it a thing. Oh, uh, but yeah, boy. so I did the I did the ring fit for the first time a few days ago, and I can't feel my I still can't feel my quads from all the squats that it made me do. So wow. it is uh, right. painful. But I you know if you're if you're looking to uh, work out, uh, and you can't motivate yourself to work out. And go outside because it's too cold outside. The ring fit, I'm telling you. It's Never the, heard it's, of it. It's the, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good and it's killing me. But it's fun because literally you get to like run your, it's like, it's like a whole adventure, you know, you get to like, you know, sounds like try that's and... going to be our real sponsor for the season. Ring fit. That's going to be you ring know. fit. Well, don't Cut. hate on Jag no, 1 not, right now. No, I'm Jag not hating one. on Jag 1 at all. But I'm saying okay. like three months from now, you could be like, I dropped 25 pounds using the ring fit. Like you could just That's have my that next read after like, Jag 1. Yeah, I'm just like, going to go straight from <laughs> Jag 1. You know, I use Jag 1 physical therapy to heal myself. And then I use the ring fit to get back in shape because I couldn't walk for two months. Who from Jag 1 is going to watch this and be like, they nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> we changed your mind, guys. We're well, we doing we it. <laughs> this is the only week we're going to be sponsored by Jag One. Whoever's <laughs> job that is, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we'll sure do better. We Jag promise. One on. We, well, we have to tag. We have to. We have to yeah, tag have Jag. To. I said. I almost. I said we have to Jag instead of tag yeah. because it's yeah. it rhymes. Yeah. It rhymes. All right. Before we before we move on, I really want to. I want to give a shout out to Jeff Ryder because I talked to him on the phone yesterday, and he he acknowledged that he just spoke to my co-host Megan Rojas. So he is clear oh. listener and as we For promised sure. we if you listen and you tell us we are going to give you a shout out on on the show so jeff Ryder, good luck hopefully dodge opens on january 11th as you guys are all watching this That'd jeff literally just emailed me wow ro are you doing oh. your are you doing your training today i already did it you did it um but you know how in like makeup commercials you go like this to like show oh, yeah. product yeah 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 <laughs> doesn't work because reflective but <laughs> I saw there was like a dog on your screen though, or something. Oh, it is. It's my dog. Oh, nice. Luna. Tell me Luna. that's not the cutest. How time. have we had three seasons and never met Luna? We did. We definitely oh, thank did. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's definitely been in the background when Rose okay. been at home. Maybe it was an episode that I. You can at least hear the barks. For. Yeah, true. <laughs> I feel like we haven't met Luna though. Sometimes my cats just randomly jump up on the table while we're in the Same. middle of recording, and then it's like a forced introduction. Cats love keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> They love jumping on everything. They do. they do. On that note, I think it's time to talk to some squash players. This yeah, is the moment you guys the people have all been actually waiting. came for. Yeah. Most of the people who are watching this right now did not come to listen to us, but now they know. So, but now they know a few things. We are now, now presented know. by Jaguan. That's cool. We're yeah, in season really cool. three. That's cool. Yeah. Kyle is Operation Skinny Fit. That's cool. Uh, hashtag or, Team Skinny Twenty One. Sorry. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but yeah, let's is... talk to some squash players. So once again, we'll be back on Mondays. You can catch us on Twitch uh, at 10 a.m. live, and then you can watch or listen to the replay at your leisure in the afternoons. 
Um, so make sure you check us out uh, after the break. And actually, sorry, before you go to the break, I do want to let the people know that we also will be streaming the Inside Columbia Basketball podcast on our Twitch channel on Fridays around 10 or 11 a.m. So be on the lookout for that podcast as well. Sure. Cool. You can see us some more. You can see us more. Hosted by your favorite hosts. Yeah. All right, won't throw stop, won't stop. <laughs> uh, all right. So we will be back with members of the women's squash team right after this. During my time at Columbia, the incredible support from the university alumni and parents has helped us make great strides in the resources we've been able to provide our student athletes in and out of competition. We do not want to lose that momentum during this unprecedented year. With that in mind, I'm excited to announce the launch of the One Roar campaign for athletics. For this year only, the One Roar Fund will replace all sports-specific fundraising. By bringing our alumni and parent communities together, we can truly do something exceptional for past, present, and future Columbia Lions. In these times, where reduced revenues and increased fiscal pressure are the new normal, the money raised during this campaign will support each of our 700 plus student athletes from all 31 sport programs, as well as the administrative units that support our teams. Your past investments in our athletic programs have been critical to our success, and I hope we can rely upon you to help our entire department through these challenging times. Be safe and go Lions. For more information and to make a gift, please visit gocolumbialions.com backslash one roar. New York Presbyterian Hospital is one of the nation's most comprehensive, integrated academic health care delivery systems dedicated to providing the highest quality, most compassionate care and service to patients in the New York metropolitan area, nationally and throughout the globe. New York Presbyterian is consistently recognized as a leader in medical education, groundbreaking research, and innovative patient-centered clinical care. Ranked number one in the New York metropolitan area by U.S. News and World Report and repeatedly named to the honor roll of America's best hospitals, New York Presbyterian has 10 locations in the metropolitan area. For more information, visit nyp.org today. All right, welcome back to the Roarcast, our first episode uh, of the new year, kind of like our first episode of the new season. But we will now bring in uh, our first guest, three members of the women's squash team. We have Nicole Kendall, a senior from Ontario, Canada. We have Jane Pingus, a senior from Brooklyn, New York. And we have Caroline Soper, I hope I said that right, a senior yeah. <laughs> from New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, thanks for joining us, girls. How's everything going? good thanks for having us of yeah, course thank you of course and now nicole before we came on you did tell us you're not actually in ontario right now you're in brooklyn correct yeah i came back to new york about a week ago um and i said i'm from toronto but i'm from like a small town north of toronto but yeah i'm back richmond uh, hill semester. New Market. I think Richmond Hill is on there because I was born in a hospital there, but New Market. Oh, <laughs> New Market. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was fooled. I was fooled. That's and you'll be fun. soon joined by your teammates. We were talking before we started recording. Uh, you guys are, Jane and, and Caroline are heading to New York in the next couple of days. Uh, how excited are you both uh, to get back into New York City uh, for your final semester at Columbia? Oh, I'm so excited. I've been at home in Connecticut, which is 
really not very exciting. So I'm excited <laughs> to go back and see my teammates and just get back sort of to feeling like I'm almost at college, even though it's not quite the same this year. Yeah. Really so excited, especially just because a lot of the other uh, teammates were at least near campus last semester. So I was the, the lone wolf from the, our class uh, back at home. So excited to see them as well. For people listening, like obviously uh, you guys weren't on campus last semester, but this semester you are going to be on campus. So can you kind of explain for people listening kind of that whole process and how Columbia worked that this year and why you're going to be on campus this semester compared to last semester? Whoever wants to take that one, maybe Caroline. Um, yeah, so I actually lived in an apartment uh, at 100th, so I wasn't actually on campus last semester, but I was nearby, so I was still um, sort of around there a little bit. Nicole actually lived on campus last semester, though, so she would know better than I would about um, all of their procedures, because I just sort of showed up for my weekly COVID test. <laughs> yeah, I was living in East Campus last semester. I was one of the few people that got to live on campus because I'm an international student. Um, so it was interesting. They just assigned us kind of random room assignments. We didn't get to pick, but we did our weekly testing and uh, filled out like a help app before entering all the buildings, but it was pretty quiet there all semester, but I'm excited that they're bringing back more of the seniors this time around. So more of the buildings will be open. How does it work with, um, with squash? Because you guys, tend to have so many international students on both the men's and the women's side. So when, you know, last semester where you guys are kind of all over the place, how, did, how does like, how do you guys stay in touch? How do you communicate, uh, you know, and, you know, I assume Zoom calls, but was there anything like unique you guys tried to do to stay in touch? Uh, I mean, I know at least the women's team, uh, the captains made sure there were a lot of intricate planning to coordinate a Zoom call so that as many people as possible could attend. So that was coordinating between people's different class schedules and trying to pick a time around noon or so where people from different time zones could all attend because we have people on the West Coast in the US, but then we also have a lot of people um, over in India. So the very different, very drastic time differences there. What's what? Whose time zone is kind of the? Uh, is it is it India the most the, like the hardest to try and like coordinate with? I think so. Yeah, it's it's nine and a half hours ahead of uh, where we are in the East Coast right now. Okay. So it's pretty difficult. I was gonna say I know we have uh, two two players now from Egypt this year, Habiba Muhammad and her sister. Uh, I'm gonna hopefully say this right, Farida Muhammad. Uh, so like, what what do you know, guys, off the top of your head, what exactly that time zone difference is? I think it's about seven hours ahead. In the opposite so direction, yeah, or it's like, yeah, right, yeah, it's, so what time are they on when you guys are trying to meet? Like, is anybody on in, like, a really weird hour when you guys are all trying to meet? Um, we have one girl from Vancouver, and so she was sometimes up at, like, like when we had early like morning team meetings with the coaches, she'd be up at like six or seven to be on those. So that I think was the most drastic. So I think most of us are awake at nine or 10 PM. So it's not too bad for the people that are ahead, but uh, she's you know behind all of us. So that was, I think, I don't know, that'd be the most difficult for me at least to get up that early to be on those calls. Are you guys doing anything else? Um, like aside from 
with the coaches team wise to like stay in touch is there like a fun snapchat group chat or something to like stay involved yeah, we, we always have uh, a Snapchat group every year. Um, we create in the beginning of the season just for fun messages, sending some memories from previous years as well. Um, and some of the meetings we do are without the coaches as well so that people can just catch up more casually. People right. will be more inclined to like speak, talk about their days. Um, we tried one or two game days that we did on Saturdays, which I think were pretty fun. So that was like a little bit what different. Games did we play? Um, I think we played a version of Cards Against Humanity once. Yeah. We also had like a little Instagram takeover thing for a bit in the summer where we posted like workouts and videos of ourselves doing them, which was kind of fun um, just to like keep in shape. And that was before we kind of found out that there would be no season. Well, since you brought it up, I will bring it up. I mean, when you found out there that there was going to be no season. And with the three of you being seniors, I mean, I, I mean, we've talked to some other teams about this before. Um, and not to say maybe that you saw the writing on the wall through the fall, but it, it, I don't wanna you know, minimize the impact that it had on you because it wasn't as sudden as it was when it happened last spring. But, you know, did you guys kind of mentally try and prepare for that outcome, like talk about it ahead of time, like uh, maybe walk us through that process? Yeah, I think, you know, seeing everything that happened in the spring and then in the fall, we were all sort of, it wasn't a surprise so much that our season was canceled, but I think um, at least I know myself and some other people were sort of trying to remain a little optimistic because squash, is sort of an individual sport because you're only on court with one other person. I think we thought maybe there's a small chance we'll be able to work out some way to have either some competition or practice. Um, so when it was announced that there was no competition and no practice, I think that was sort of a, it was more surprising that there was like not even any really organized activity that we could um, participate in. Especially us seniors, I, I know that even if we were expecting it to an extent, it was still heartbreaking to hear just because this was our last training opportunity, especially because most of us aren't going to go and play professional squash. So this is our last competitive season. And especially as seniors uh, who are also captains, uh, there are certain additional aspects that are uh, also gone, such as like leading captains practices in our preseason training, stuff like that, which would be an additional uh, senior perk as well. Yeah, I was I was gonna bring up you know, and you guys you guys had something going. Um, at the end of last year, you know, you finished uh, the team finished fifth at nationals. Um, Jane clinched the uh, you know as we talked about before you came on. Jane clinched the the final match there for the fifth place finish. Uh, so first of all, congratulations on that best finish in program history. That's a really great accomplishment for your team and for the three of you individually. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about that match. Let's talk a little, let's, you know, kind of brighten up the conversation a little bit. Um, you know, walk us through that, you know, first of all, for, I guess for anybody listening who doesn't really understand how the postseason and the, you know, the nationals for squash work, maybe explain kind of how that tournament works because it'll probably sound way better coming from the three of you than it would be from me 
and you know walk us through that that match where you guys finished fifth I guess nationals kind of works based off of all of the matches that you played during season you end up creating a ranking for yourself and then at nationals there are different divisions and you have eight teams in each of the divisions so for us we were in division one which is the top draw so we were in one of those eight ranked teams and then you play out as you would expect a normal draw if you started in the quarterfinals of that draw effectively and so you play out for every position so if you keep winning you'll end up in the finals but even if you lose first round or second round you still continue to play out to every position number so if i have it correct you guys you know you made it to the the top draw what seed were you in the top draw do you remember we were yeah. the eighth seed, I think, because oh, we played okay. the number one seed. You had to play the number one. Harvard. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, we had a couple close like losses during the season. But what was so special about this tournament was that we were able to kind of reverse those losses um, when we played them again in the final tournament, which is what counts for the most. Um, so, yeah, we started out as the eighth seed, played Harvard, the number one seed, who has been like consistently consistently number one for like I don't know how many years um so that was tough playing them first round but we managed to like keep winning our next few matches I can let someone else speak about yeah that. no you I mean you had a really tough matchup against Harvard in the in the first round but then you know so you lose and you kind of go to the back you go to the back draw right and those four teams are have two more matches left to try and finish and if you win both those matches you get you you basically win the back draw and you finish fifth um so you guys next match was against Penn a five a very close 5-4 win against Penn do we do you remember I know Jane will get to Stanford in, in that in that match but do we remember the Penn match before that and who had the clinching point and kind of how that match played out yeah that, that match, match was super intense you go yeah ahead. so in our regular season we lost to them 5-4 and like it was I think it was Zooey in five, right? That lost, it was our like our captain, our senior captain lost in what was a very contentious match against Penn in the regular season. So going into it at nationals, I think we were all really like fired up and really wanted to like reclaim sort of um, what we lost uh, during, from them in the regular season. So Zooey, who was the decider at nationals, if I'm correct, right? I think she, she was, was she the decider? Like there nationals? was one other match on after that, but yeah, I think that was the deciding match mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, I think she was our fifth win. So it's five out of nine and she beat the girl that she had lost to previously. And that was like the most sort of heart like stopping match. Every single point you're just like agonizing because you want her to win so badly. And so it was a really nice um, feeling when we finally did beat them uh, in that second round of nationals. Yeah, and she she was down like a ridiculous amount in the fifth game. I think we played to eleven, and she was down like ten five or something, and came back and won at twelve ten. So that was really exciting. By and by that point in the match, because I mean I, I've been to uh, street squash there in Harlem. You know I've I've seen you guys play a handful of times over my last few years at Columbia, but you know by the time it gets to the end of the match, it's like everybody's focused on those last couple matches you know those last couple duels going on uh and so I don't know what the environment was where you guys were I believe you were in New Haven 
um, at nationals. So I don't know exactly, uh, you know, how close everybody is compared to how close and how bunched in everybody is at street squash. Right. But I mean, the environment, uh, when you're down to those last few duels and, uh, the match is really close, it gets really like frantic, but it's also like really exciting. Right. There's definitely still that same, uh, intensity of enthusiasm, um, because we did have one other match on, I think I was helping either support or helping coach um, that other person so everyone on like with me on my court was obsessively looking at that other court's results waiting for them and you could obviously hear the screams and cheers very clearly from the other side of the facility which is where I was so you could, you could uh yeah you definitely still had the same environment you beat Penn in what is kind of like the consolation not the consolation but the backdraw semifinal Right to get to the back, the the top, the top draw, uh, the fifth place game um, against Stanford, and I I I wasn't there, so I don't exactly know how this went. But Jane, I know you clinched the five, another close five four victory, and I assume by that point you were the last duel on the on the course. I was well. I before getting to my match, I have to mention the other people who won before me because. We had lost to Stanford in regular season. Again, very close. It was the same 5-4 switch. But even Nicole had lost during season and had an amazing win at Nationals. Um, one of our uh, first years as well had a great win that like allowed us to be in this position where I was playing the last match on and uh, as the decider. Um, in that match as well, it was, it was intense. But thankfully, I... I didn't even know at the time that I was the decider. Uh, I didn't realize that until I noticed everyone standing outside the court as I finished my match. <laughs> um, I don't know, it, it was an amazing feeling though as well. Um, I, I won the match in four games and the entire team was at the back of back wall cheering on. And then when we walked off court, everyone rushed on and we did a whole group celebration uh, just because it was our first time ever beating Stanford and as well as our highest finish at nationals ever. So it was, it was a lot of um, good emotions there. Congratulations on your fifth place finish last year. Uh, really exciting for you guys. And Nicole, I don't want your, your victory to get lost in that either. Uh, you know, playing at the number two position with an 11-7, 11-9, 11-9 victory uh, over Casey Wong from Stanford. So uh, he, I mean, when you win 5-4, I mean, every single, every single match counts. So I don't want that to get lost in there. So any anyway, congratulations, uh, girls, on that fifth place finish. And I'm, you know, I'm terribly sorry that you, you know, couldn't get to see how your senior year unfolded uh, and see if you kind of got to build on that. But at least you do get to take some solace in knowing that, you know, your your final collegiate uh, squash match was as exciting as it was, even though you didn't know at the time that it was going to be the one. So. Uh, I really hope you, you girls like take that with you through, you know, your careers and post-graduation and, uh, and beyond. So, you know, squash is a unique sport. Not a lot of schools have it. How did you guys, not necessarily when you started, when did you realize that this is something you could pursue and compete at, compet like compete at it at this level? I guess pretty early on still. I think I was introduced to squash when I was about seven, but 
started tournaments around the age of 10. And so it was just really once you started enjoying the tournament environment and I guess started like having good results as well. Um, I was just kind of always pursuing that in juniors, but then you kind of always knew to continue pursuing it in college as well, as long as you were dedicated and loved the sport. Um, in Columbia, we always knew had a really competitive team, a great environment. It was an easy continuation. I didn't, like I never played a tournament in my life. Like I started playing in high school because I quit swimming. And so I sort of took a different <laughs> approach and walked on to the team here. And it wasn't like a, I didn't expect to necessarily um, play squash in college at all, but it was sort of, it was like, I mean, it's the best decision I've made hands down, but yeah, we all, um, unlike Jane and Nicole, I didn't actually play at all really before uh, I was a teenager. And I guess a follow-up is what's it like kind of going playing as individuals most of your life and then trying to convert that into like a team atmosphere? Was there an adjustment at first or how does that work for you guys when you get, when you get to Columbia? Uh, I think it was a, definitely a bit of an adjustment. I remember in uh, junior squash, we, we call it um, like under 19, we played individually and it felt like a lot of pressure. So once I, went to college squash and had like a team around me supporting me. I think it took a lot of the pressure off and it was it for me, at least it was a lot more fun playing with a team, but still having that individual aspect. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a bit of a transition, but we all kind of like we had how many people like seven freshmen when we came in. So we all were super tight at the beginning and it went from there. Uh, before we let you go, I do want to uh, ask you, speaking of post-graduation, what your plans are, because we like to talk to, to our seniors about what their plans are of, you know, after they graduate, and all three of you, I assume, are on track to graduate at the end of the semester, unless somebody's graduated early and I didn't, and I, uh, didn't know, but. Um, so, uh, Nicole, let's start with you. Uh, what are your future plans? Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm hoping to get a job in the city, um, but I'm still looking, um, but specifically in marketing and advertising. So that's what I'm trying to do this final semester, just find a job for after I graduate. Nothing too exciting. What about you, Caroline? Um, so I'm looking at graduate school programs, but also um, considering just getting a job. I don't, I can't, I can't decide right now whether or not I want to just for a couple of more years or um, try to get a job that hopefully uh, both will be um, in public health or something sort of related to that field. And Jane? Uh, I'm still looking for a job as well uh, within the research field of neuroscience before I go to graduate school to hopefully get a PhD in neuroscience. It's always interesting to me to find out stuff. what everybody's plans are. Very impressed. Very impressed. <laughs> Neuroscience was never on my list, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> although I'm sure I could have some really uh, intellectual conversations with you about it. So you could teach me a thing or two. That'd be nice. Um, it, do you? Do the three of you? I mean, maybe not professionally, but still plan to, uh, you know, play some recreational squash in your future. 
Or yeah, I want to keep playing some tournaments when I can. I also want to play double squash when I'm older. There's like a little professional double squash tour that I think would be a lot of fun. So we could see Nicole on the professional tour there in the future. Okay. So I'll have to keep that in mind. Um, you'll have to explain to us a different time how doubles squash works because I'm trying to imagine four people in that singular in a very tight space and I feel like it'd be even harder to get out of the way of the ball yeah the court is like twice the size so, okay um, but there there aren't a whole lot of double squash courts around um but there there's a good amount in New York which is good all right well I think that is all the time we have uh we really appreciate the three of you jumping on and speaking with us this was you know this was great this was long overdue I appreciate you know three of you coming on and a chance to get to talk to you and talk about your season. And, uh, you know, we really wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you. Thank you. That was Caroline Soper, Nicole Kendall, and Jane Pincus, three senior captains from the Columbia Women's Squash Program. We're going to head to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk with members of the men's squash program. <laughs> JAG-1 Physical Therapy is a proud partner of the Columbia Lions. With state-of-the-art rehabilitation equipment and facilities, allow us to develop a specific plan catered to each patient. The JAG-1 team proudly serves the tri-state area with facilities throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We're here for you. Get back the life you love. Visit www.jag1pt.com that's J-A-G-O-N-E-P-T dot com for more information. We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Alliance. All right, we are back for part two of our squash program with Zane Athar and James Wyatt from the men's program. Uh, guys, thanks for so much for coming on. Thank thanks you. for having us. Uh, how's everything going? How are your holidays? Oh, Pretty good. Oh, good. Yeah. Dan, you go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll go by seniority. <laughs> no, uh, pretty good. Um, came back from Germany, was actually abroad for the semester, um, but it's now senior spring. So just looking to finish strong and, and see what kind of athletic activity we can do in the spring. But otherwise, just looking forward to my last semester. Nice. How about you, James? Uh, so I was in New York for last semester, um, living with some teammates, actually. And then uh, in November, I had to decide whether I was going to go back home or not uh, but before Thanksgiving. So and the situation back in the UK wasn't great. So I just decided to stay here uh, with some friends. I was going to ask you if you were in the UK right now, because I know that uh, I watched the, uh, the statement or the, you know, the address that Boris Johnson gave to the, to the nation there uh, a few days ago with like a very strict uh, lockdown that basically they're putting the UK in. So I didn't know if you were sitting in lockdown right now or if you were if you were in New York. No, fortunately not. Fortunately not. I made. I think I made the right decision staying here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Zane, what about you? 
uh, how are things? Are you, uh, you know, I don't know. You're not in, you said you're not in Germany right now, correct? No, no. So I was, um, I was in Germany from September to December. Um, my grandparents are there and um, I was doing like, you know, an internship, something to take my mind off the pandemic news cycle for a bit. Um, but then uh, back here in Connecticut now, I live in Connecticut, so about two hours from the city. Um, so as of now, planning to start classes here maybe in January, but then from February onwards, try to be in the city and, you know, see my teammates one last time. Zane, talk a little bit about um, when did you move to Connecticut? It says you're, you know, it says you were born in Germany, obviously. You yeah, yeah. Still. It's, it's definitely a, a life story, but basically... Um, I was born in Hamburg. My, my dad grew up there as well. Um, and it started from my grandfather, who unfortunately just passed away. He um, worked for Lufthansa, the German airline, for 35 years. He moved from Pakistan to Germany. So that's basically how, you know, my dad grew up there. And then I was born there in Hamburg. Um, but then when I was very young, maybe three years old or so, uh, we came to the U.S., um, you know, moving around a bit, Texas, Maryland, but then ended up settling here in Avon, which is like central Connecticut, close to Hartford. So um, otherwise, I've loved it here. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about squash later on, but it's definitely a uh, squash powerhouse with a few other colleges around here, a lot of prep schools as well that, that have squash. So definitely lucky to not be, you know, too far in the Midwest or somewhere far away where there's not too much squash. Um, so super excited about that. I was going to ask, uh, and, and Mike asked this to the girls that we just had on just prior, but how do you, you know, squash for a lot of people is like a sport that they're not introduced to, you know, until it kind of is put in front of them, right? So yeah. how, like, tell us your stories with uh, getting to play squash. I mean, I assume if, you know, not, and not everybody starts at a young age if they play collegiately. I know some of the girls didn't start till they were teenagers, but, you know, is that how it worked for, for the two of you? For Is that how it works for a lot of the men's squash players? Like, kind of explain that to us. James, for, for me, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, for me, my dad started playing squash during university. And then I have an older brother who's eight years older than me. So I grew up watching them play and then I'd get taken down to like the local club to club night on a Saturday. And it basically just started from there wanting to beat my brother. Yeah. Um, for me, it's also it started from my dad. Um, he played recreationally in Germany uh, in the eighties and nineties. It was definitely quite big over there, like as a club sport. Um, and then he came over here when we lived in Connecticut. Um, I grew up close to Trinity College in Hartford. So they used to have these uh, Sunday open houses. And I, you know, as a 10 year old play against the 50 and 60 year olds, you know, they, they'd be excited to move around the court and I'd get some, you know, match experience. So that's kind of how it started. Similar to James, it was the, my father who sort of got me into it. And before we get into some of the nitty gritty within the team, well, let's start, this is going to start to intro that a little bit, but we've talked to other programs like fencing and things like that, where the coaching is a little bit different at this level. Um, for you guys, is it like a lot of technical stuff or is it more of like managing the roster and trying to figure out who's filling what spots? Um, at this point, do you guys kind of have all the technical skills or how does that work your relationship with your coaches from that dynamic anyway? So, so for us, it's sort of, there's 13 or 14 guys on the team. 
so most of our practices it's not actually really possible to give individual attention to absolutely everyone all the time uh so a lot of it is actually like based around each other and what we think we can improve obviously there's like a dialogue between the coaches and players about what they can individually improve on but a lot of it is sort of taking ownership yourself of trying to improve just purely because of the number of people on the team so that's mainly how that dynamic works for us yeah and and i would add on that um a lot of us did get, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching and individual coaching. But what I would say is that that's more common when you're in your middle school and high school years, when you're really trying to learn the sport, that there's a lot of technique involved. Um, so, you know, you do that throughout your middle school years, high school years. But then once you get to college, it's more assumed that you have the technique that you need. And then you just start with more fitness, more match conditioning, uh, more mental work. So it's almost as if we assume that we have the technical work and then we're building off of it um, work that you could do more in a group setting rather than one-on-one. -on -one. Are there any um, other, maybe, I don't know what to call them really, like athletes that you look up to or like, and like copy your game after, is that something in squash that someone that you have that you looked up to when you were like training and even now? Uh, for me, like usually, I know a lot of the guys. Um, for me personally, like from the UK, so like the best, probably the best English squash player of all time is called Nick Matthew. So, for me, when I was growing up, it was always him, mainly because he was British and he was number one in the world and world champion uh, multiple times. So for me, that was him. But I know a few of the guys on the team who are Canadian, the best Canadian squash player ever. They their swings the exact same as his as well. So. It also depends on like, where you're from. Yeah, the, the goal the goal isn't to win the match. It's to mimic the player as best as you can before trying to win any points. But uh, I think one thing I'll add is that um, if there's one thing you should know about the history of squash, it's that there was um, like this Khan dynasty in Pakistan from the uh, maybe 80s to 2000s or so. There were two players, um, Jahangir Khan and John Shur Khan, that ended up winning, you know, hundreds of matches back to back nonstop. So they called it, you know, the Khan dynasty. And at that time, there was a lot of domination in squash in Pakistan. So that's also one thing that's kind of interesting in the history books. Unfortunately, not nowadays. It's more, you know, I would say maybe James, it's more of an Egyptian dominance now. But, um, but I would say that, you know, it's interesting that in the history of squash, some countries end up standing out as dominating. I wanted to throw it back to something that James said. He said, you know, when you play uh, Canadian players, they, you know, you can tell that they, they kind of imitate this swing of somebody. So, like how, can you explain that uh, to us? Maybe to people listening, like what is it uh, that they imitate? I'll try and explain it. So there's a, there's a senior on our team who, uh, so the best like Canadian player ever was called Jonathan Power. And his like technique was quite unique on the backhand because uh, I'm not sure how to explain this um, easily, but basically he had a he had a kink in his swing, which was kind of uh, unorthodox. And then when I was I actually first saw him play when I was 14, and he was the age group above me. And he also this Canadian player used to wear a headband and have like really long hair. And then the first time I saw him play was when I was 14, and then. 
he just had the most ridiculous backhand. He was like trying to imitate him so badly. But, uh, that was my first impression of him. <laughs> oh, and that's a that's a thing with uh, Canadian squash players, or just uh, just uh, a, it's also just a... it's also true at English players. Like I've <laughs> I've been told, like even without even speaking to me or knowing who I am, like people will assume that I'm English just purely from the way that I play and my swing. Wow. So yeah, it can be that. That common. The dead, it's a giveaway, I guess. You know, yeah. people, people. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Kyle, I'm going to quiz you next year after your first full year of covering squash, and I'm just going to show you tape, and I'm, I'm going to see if you can guess what country the players are from. I'll, I'll have to do some. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to get in the video room and uh, start studying. <laughs> Although I'm sure from what they from what they made it sound like from the Canadian swing with the kink is the is the kink on the follow through or is it on the back it's, swing it's or on the, it's on the preparation so yeah. they go like that and it's sort it's sort of like a, a C whereas normally you just like hit straight through like that. Yeah. But the, a lot of the Canadians oh, it's on like the way on like the back swing on the way up. On the back kinda, swing. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a style thing or is it like at spin or like does it do anything? Uh it doesn't really do anything, which is kind of why it's like kind of I don't know. It's just yeah. very unique to that. I'm player, sure if we no had a Canadian on here, they could really explain it to us and give it give <laughs> it its proper uh... defend it properly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think he, he would he would probably try and say, oh, it gives me like more like racketed speed, so I can like whip the ball quicker. But I mean, I don't know whether that's actually true or not. We should we should we we got to get a. Uh... We should if have had if a you're Canadian a Canadian player squash player, check yeah, out, you know, listening. hit us up on the comments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hit us up. Hit it. Maybe if they're watching on our Twitch channel right now, they can put it in the chat, you know, let it defend it right now. One thing I do want to talk about, I want to, I want to get into some of uh, the your actual playing careers and playing squash at Columbia and James with you being a junior and Zane with you being a senior, uh, unfortunately, Zane, you know, with this season being canceled, you know, the end of last year was the end of your collegiate playing career. I don't know if you have any plans to play professionally or just recreationally in the future and beyond, but we can get into that in a little bit. But um, you can, I, I guess, take some solace in knowing that at the end of last year, you guys did win the Home Cup, which is the B division at Nationals, uh, you know, won all three matches in in the home cup to win that and then i believe beat cornell in the final match uh which would be the final you know what resulted which wound wound up being the final match of your um collegiate playing career but can you kind of just uh you know walk us through you know winning the home cup i know probably slightly disappointing because you guys would have wanted to qualify for the you know for the for the top draw Unfortunately, you know, the results from the season didn't get you guys there, but did you guys at least take some solace in winning that at the end of the year and finishing on a positive note? Yeah, definitely. Um, so that was definitely, as you, as you said, it was, um, you know, convincing wins that we came out of um, with the Hone Cup. Um, that was my junior spring that we ended up winning that junior winter. So that was definitely some good positives. And I think the team kind of came out of that quite strong, even though right after that, we had the COVID break. I think your question was also about sort of my collegiate career as well um, as a senior. So I think the highlight was definitely looking back on my freshman year um, when we ended up winning the Ivy League, um, the Ivy League championship uh, in 2018. So that was um, my freshman year. We had, you know, a lot of strong seniors on the team that year. And, you know, that was definitely the highlight beating Harvard that year, 5-4, um, so that was 
definitely um, the highlight. But I think, you know, James can talk about, you know, the momentum going forward. But I think hopefully for James, there's, you know, one more final, he's ending with one more final bang. Yeah, hopefully um, next year should be exciting because we've got obviously two, basically two freshman classes because we haven't been able to see our fresh freshman class this year. Um, and then my last year was obviously, a, it was a tricky season in general because we had multiple injuries at the start of the season, which led to us having a few losses that we probably uh, shouldn't have had. Um, and then that led to us sort of playing catch up the whole rest of the season. Um, but, and then our, our freshman year was good, but I think, yeah, generally it was sort of, uh, we had a lot of talent and probably uh, could have done better than we did. Um, but yeah, n next year should be exciting. So, It seems like from, I've been here going on nine years and from seeing the development of the squash program, um, there's always been a lot of solid individual players, Ramit Tandon and uh, Osama Khalifa, obviously having done big accolades. And now it seems like you're still starting, you're continuing the individual traits, but the team results are coming. So what do you think are some of the reasons for that? Um, I think probably the top guys like, like Ramit and Osama, obviously they, they set the tone and they were, uh, I mean, under Ramit, it was a very uh, new team. And I think, I'm not sure how, I think they were only vasty, like maybe they weren't even vasty in his freshman year. So yeah, uh, I feel like that was just a very new team. And then under Osama, uh, they won Ivies, and then I think now it's just it's very sort of uh, cyclical in like in nature of the teams because there's like other other teams like Yale for example in the B division a few years ago. Um, so it sort of just it comes in waves, and then sort of recruiting depends on how strong recruiting classes and whether they think uh, Columbia is a good fit or not. Um, so there's there's lots of factors that go into it, as well as like just luck of just not getting injuries in, in certain matches, etc. So a lot of things I feel have to fall into place, which obviously makes it um, very difficult. But yeah, hopefully uh, next year will be successful. Yeah, no, I think go ahead, go ahead. I, I just just quickly to add to add on, I think um, James hit on all the all the main points. I think it's it's more of, you know, what, what we'll see is that we try to have our main competitive matches and, you know, towards the end of January so that everyone has a time, some time to warm up in November and December. Um, sometimes if we do have injuries right at the beginning of the season, they try to um, recover by then so that we're ready for our main matches. Unfortunately, I think what happened um, this past year was that some of the injuries that we had carried forward a bit longer than we needed to. So, I think that's a good lesson going forward that, you know, obviously some things are unavoidable, but preseason training is of utmost importance uh, to avoid any sort of fallout and continued injury uh, in the season. And then James kind of, uh, since you're, you know, you're coming back next year, can you kind of uh, give us a feel for kind of how the, you know, the team set up for next year and how you feel about the team for next year? 
Uh, yeah, the team the team is looking good. We've got um, some strong Americans who are coming. We've got um, an English kid who's also coming who's uh, very good, a uh, top player in England. So, um, and then we've also got a few Indian guys coming. So, it's sort of a, it's a good mixture of people from different backgrounds who all had good junior careers. So, uh, I feel like our team is it's going to be interesting. You don't really know what it's going to look like until sort of November, December, um, like on the ladder and everything, who's going to play where and sort of how strong the team's looking for the season. So, but I'm optimistic about where it's going. And something I want to bring up, uh, we talked to the girls about this when we asked them kind of, you know, when you have players from all around the world, is there anything unique that you try to do to stay in touch, especially you know, when you can't see everybody in person and they brought up something really interesting where they said they, you know, they try to have a game night uh, every once in a while and they play cards against humanity over a zoom call. So is there anything like that, that the guy, I mean, that the guys have tried to do to stay in touch? Uh, maybe it's not the whole team. Maybe it's a little more, you know, smaller group individual basis. Yeah, no, I think uh, that's, we haven't tried the uh, cards against humanity, but I think uh, what we did do is, you know, with the new freshmen that came in, even though they didn't have like an on-campus experience, like just trying to um, have a Zoom call with them and, you know, drilling them with some questions, but also trying to like get to know the freshmen a bit better. So I think um, doing that to sort of show the freshmen that, you know, we're thinking of them specifically and want them to become a part of the team. I think that's something that we focused on early on this year and then um, something else is that, you know, more in smaller groups, we're like having some like workout buddies and like motivating each other to do our own workouts, like accountability partners, we call it. So, um, it might be intimidating to tell the whole 14 person team that you did 20 pushups today, or, you know, this kind of workout today, but having smaller groups is, um, something that has worked quite well. So still not at the Cards Against Humanity um, bonding level yet, <laughs> but uh, I think we're getting there. <laughs> That's good to know. Well, maybe, uh, and I also didn't, I didn't know if maybe, because I know that the men's and women's squash programs, you guys, like, you guys are in a unique situation where a lot of the times you guys are playing together, where, you know, you guys have a home match, they have a home match at the same, at the same, you know, back to back off each other, and you guys watch each other and support each other. And I know like with, you know, Megan Rojas and I, I works with the women's basketball program and I work with women's basketball and Mike works with men's basketball. It's, it's very, I feel like with a lot of programs, it's not, it's not like that where you don't get to watch the other team really play that much in season because you, you're normally, if one's home, the other one's away. Right. So it, it, can you talk about the bond that, you know, kind of the, that squash men's and women's squash players kind of share and like in that whole support system that you guys have for each other? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, as you said, we both play our matches at the same time. A lot of the time as well, when we play away matches, sometimes they'll play before us, so we get to watch them as well. Um, and all our away matches as well, we're like we travel as a team to everything. So, yeah, compared to other teams, I'm sure we're probably a lot closer um, as a men's and women's team. And we obviously, we both want uh, each other to do work as well as possible, so... Yeah, it's it's always good to to have both teams, especially. I don't know if you guys have been to our squash facility, Street Squash in Harlem, but 
it's a very narrow um, facility and there's like maybe 10 feet between the courts that you know you can walk in between so uh, it gets quite heated and packed and a lot of times um, the women might end up winning like 9-0 quite quickly but then the men's matches are tight and you know there's one court left and everyone is packed around the one men's court so I think it's cool having the women's team also there and you know all of the men's team supporting maybe it's an advantage to have like a really packed uh not very uh aerated facility just so that it really gets the momentum going zane i have been to street squash i've announced yeah. your name in the starting lineup yes. before on the va <laughs> come on zane, <laughs> yeah, zane. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, before we let you guys go, I do want to ask you uh, one. I do have one more question, Kyle. The segment. Do um, when you guys win a match, is there any favorite celebratory moves or things you've done that you can like tell us about? Like a big, not even like a fist pump, or are you like cool and collected? I feel like Gaines doesn't even smile. Just kind of like <laughs> silent killer and goes back to the locker room. No, no, not really. But I haven't been... Normally, it happens where it will be a four-all match and then uh, someone will win the deciding match and then people will let the opponent like walk out the court and shake hands and then uh, will, like, storm, storm the onto the court. Yeah. yeah, That's the usual move. It's That's tough, cool. though, because not all the matches... Because like, what happens is... Um, you need five matches to win, right? Five out of the nine. And you might do really well and win the five matches like really early on, but then you have four additional matches that technically don't count because you already won. But uh, so it can be tough sort of playing out that dynamic, but it's perfect when it's like four all and there's one match left um, as it was, I think, when we played Harvard like a couple of years ago and then you win and then you storm the court. So that's that's I think what James is referring to, but nothing too extravagant. No, like celebratory dances or anything like that. Sportsmanship, right? Like yeah, that's I a big was, thing. I, you know, because yeah. it's it's very interesting. Like sometimes it's like very it's like very borderline in terms of the yeah. celebration. Like you guys aren't like screaming in the other person's face while you're two feet away from them. Yeah, it's normally it's a lot of fist pumps. I'll, um trying to think what else silent yeah and there's like there's some shouting like come on but that's, that's yeah. about it I think. yeah 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 i was gonna actually one more thing that i do want to ask before i let you guys go and i meant to ask this to the girls and, I, and we didn't have time but what is something about and i'm gonna give you some reference for this something about squash players that you want the general public to know to kind of like debunk some kind of stereotype. And we asked this to when we had the archery team on last season and they said that we all are good hunters or that we all like to hunt because we all know how to shoot a bow and arrow, right? So is there anything about squash players that you just want to put out there and be like, this isn't true or maybe this is true? Tricky question. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Uh, I think one thing that immediately comes to mind is that um, we're not as pretentious of a sport as people make it out to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think uh, you definitely get that 
you know, being in Manhattan and, you know, these, all these squash clubs and the density of squash clubs in the city that you don't see anywhere else, the private squash clubs, um, that gives it an air of prestige. But I think that's not entirely true if you leave the Manhattan bubble and you see the whole squash community. So that's definitely <laughs> one thing that came to mind. It's definitely not all country clubs, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> one thing, I th one thing um, I feel like it always happens when somebody's introduced to squash for, uh, for the first time is for somebody who doesn't really know it, it's like, oh, so it's like racquetball, right? And I feel like that's yeah. like the number one thing that you guys probably come across when you're talking to people about squash and they don't know what squash is. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's very common, and we have to try and explain that it's it's harder because the ball doesn't bounce as much and it's like half the size, um, so it's a lot faster. Um, and then, or the the other question that's the most common is is it in the Olympics, which has probably been asked that like a million times, and it's still not in the Olympics though. But yeah. that's another topic. I I have to admit, I I only played squash for the first time right before the pandemic and i was shocked at how like i thought the ball was going to have a little bit of give and it's just you got to like charge it up it's it was i had no idea <laughs> yeah yeah not like hitting a racquetball mike no not at all <laughs> a little different <laughs> lily rodriguez beat me handily three times oh, and shout out to lily sports. rodriguez <laughs> in the uh successor office it was not pretty Oof. it's hurting for a few Oof. days and you having to be uh, sitting on that loss for at least 10 months now. <laughs> I've had no chance to redeem myself. <laughs> no chance. Yeah, rough. Did you, did you oh, guys man. play in the, uh, in the dodge courts? Yeah. In the dodge courts. Okay. <laughs> we try to yeah. do like staff wellness every now and then. So we've switched up from like yoga to hit. And then we tried to do some squash and yeah. Got it. I think uh, Lily's office is close by to the squash court, so you don't know what she's doing. Yeah, I know. That's very court, true. Right? Now, <laughs> very now true. we do and know. We're in the yeah, we do know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, last question. Um, Zane, with you being a senior, I just want to uh, give you a chance to let everybody know what your future plans are here uh, post-graduation. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, as of now, um, so when I was in Germany, I was working at um, the startup. So I plan on keep to keep working with them remotely this spring. Um, but then after graduating, I'll start um, a banking job in at Morgan Stanley in New York. So um, excited for that. Um, I'll still be in the city uh, close to everyone and pop into those uh, home matches next season. But uh, those are my plans as of now. In terms of squash, um, planning to join uh, a couple leagues, maybe the uh, Manhattan Squash Club after graduation, which is a new uh, public squash club that opened in Manhattan. So planning to join there and um, otherwise stay in touch with the squash community. Very nice. Well, we wish you the best in your future endeavors and congratulations you. on your uh, very successful collegiate career. And uh, James, we look forward to seeing you back on the court next year. Thanks. All I'll right. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Zane Athar and James Wyatt from the Men's Squash Program. Yeah, first episode of 2021 is in the books. So we want to thank everybody from the Squash Program that joined us today. Thanks for everybody for listening. As Kyle mentioned, we're now on Twitch. You can watch the full video on YouTube. And that's in addition to everywhere else you get your podcast. So uh, make sure you tune in to this episode 
well, you've already listened to this episode if you're hearing me talk about this, but listen to our started old at episodes. The end. They could have started at the end. They could have. <laughs> you know, you want to work your way back, you know, yeah, all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Listen to all our previous episodes uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there uh, for Kyle Matrician and Megan Rojas on Mike Walkie. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.